Hello, and welcome to Proverbs 3130, Woman to Woman. This is Sharon Hoskins, and Michelle Roberts is back in the studio with us today uh, to talk about the deaf ministry and the deaf community. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Sharon. I am really happy to be here today. Well, you started the deaf ministry at First Baptist Grove, and so I would just like for you to tell us a little bit about how that started, um, when it started, and, and what all that you do. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that I truly did not start that ministry, that it was all God, because I was so unqualified to do that. I was so nervous just to interpret in that church. Um, it, it was it was a, quote, God thing. It really was. I did get started, though, however, um, signing, because my son, Shiloh Roberts, is deaf, and so is my daughter-in-law, Kim. Uh, when we moved to Grove about 20 years ago, or a little more than that maybe, but roughly 20 years ago, our son Shiloh was the only deaf person in the Grove community, and especially in our church. So I would just sit beside him in the pew and sign the sermon and sign uh, the songs to him so he knew what was going on. I started signing as far as interpreting, which are two totally different things, but I started interpreting a little bit back when we lived in, in Benton, Arkansas. We went to a little a big church called Sharon Baptist. They had a large deaf community in their church, somewhere 50 to 60 deaf people. Any given day, the doors were open were there. There were about three qualified, certified interpreters. So I kind of watched them and thought, well, I wouldn't mind doing that. No sign language. So I went and talked to one of the interpreters, and he happened to be the, a professor at the University of Arkansas, and he taught interpreting. Big difference between teaching sign language and teaching interpreting. They're two different mm-hmm. things. So I said, well, I, I would like to start interpreting some. How do I get started? Do I need to start taking classes at the University of Arkansas? And he said, oh, no. You have resources here in the church, so let us just let us help you and just get up and start signing maybe one song a Sunday. So I did start doing that, and I, one thing I found out is I did not know the words to the hymns that I had grown up singing all my life. Really? When you think about, I, I had to think about how to sign hallelujah. What does hallelujah actually mean? And there were many, many phrases in the hymnal that I would have to go to the interpreter and say, what does this actually mean and how do I sign it? And they would show me. So I had a lot to learn because biblical sign language is probably one of the hardest things to sign. You have medical, um, education, biblical, and there's not not all deaf people are in church, so there's not that many signs for biblical terms. Well, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. Well, when you think about it, here where we live in Delaware County and surrounding area, there seems to be a church on every street corner is the old saying. But how many of those churches offer an interpreter or, better yet, a deaf minister himself? Uh, so there's not that many places they actually can go. I see. Our Bible is translated into English, German, French, but it's not able to translate into sign language, which mm-hmm. is their language, and that language is different than the English language, um, which is one of the harder things for us to understand when an interpreter's up there. They're not signing Necessarily English. Right. Some may, because some deaf people prefer that. Very few. 
but um, they're having to translate it into a totally different, a foreign language, basically. No. So anyway, I got up. I started with him signing. We also took some classes. Our son at that time went to the Arkansas School for the Deaf, and we had a wonderful sign language teacher. She was not only was she herself deaf, she was an army brat. Oh. And she had traveled the world, and she knew sign language from all over. And just as voice language, we have different languages, so does sign language. And not only do they have different languages from country to country, sometimes from county to county. Really? For instance, if I signed Sailboat Bridge, well, that sign's going to be common here in the local area because that word's common right but if i was in texas and signed the sign that they have here for sailboat bridge they're not gonna have a clue what i'm signing i would have to explain what that sign is and then sign it i see so and then there's also a lot of slang in sign language um well, we kind of had that in we English. Do. We do. We don't really think about it, but we do. We do, and and the deaf do too. Um, one that comes to mind is when they sign New York. Um, one hand is on top of the other, uh, signing a similar sign to clean, and that's how you sign it. And that's the proper way to do it in New York, and it should be everywhere, but the slang for that in some other states is to turn it upside down because New York air is dirty. Oh. So it's on top of your hand, you're signing a Y and the word clean, but since you maybe been to New York and it's not been clean when you're there, you turn it upside down. You would not use that sign in New York. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So that's just one example of slang that they have so it's kind of like a whole another culture it um, is within itself so what are some of the what are some of the questions maybe that um, you could answer that deaf and hearing don't understand about each other there's a lot of misconceptions um, a lot of questions of course, I can speak mostly for myself. Uh, questions that I've been asked are um, things like, how does he drive? Referring to my son. Mm-hmm. He can drive? You know, how does a deaf person drive? That's a pretty common question I was asked as my son grew up, and so have a lot of other deaf people. Um, he was in high school when he started driving, of course, and I got that question asked even by his peers who knew and loved him well would ask, well, how's, how's he going to drive? I said, well, since when do you use your ears to drive? You use your hands and you use your feet. And then they'd say, yes, but how is he going to hear the police sirens or an ambulance coming up behind him? I said, do you really hear that? How loud is your radio? And they're like, oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't hear one coming up behind me. There was actually, um, many years ago, some insurance companies wanted to not allow deaf people to drive because they thought they were probably not a safe driver. Mm-hmm. And so the insurance companies set out to prove that, to prove that deaf people should not drive, therefore they should not be required to insure them because they are high uh, high High risk. risk. In the process, 
they found out just the opposite. They actually were safer drivers. Really? Yeah. So they totally dropped that idea and just uh, insure them like they do us. But uh, I'm assuming it's because they have to be a little bit more alert than we do to know right. what's going on around and them. They probably have better senses since they don't have <laughs> hearing. You know, we kind of take advantage of, you know, our hearing in different ways. Um, so they probably have better sight senses and are more alert um, to different things because they can't hear. Well, I'm glad you brought true? that up because okay. in some areas it might be true, but in some ways it's not. Um, okay. Deaf people are just like hearing people. And that. And with that being said, they're different. Each deaf person is different, just like every hearing person is different. They have persona- different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses. Um one deaf person may be able to lip read real, really well, and another one may not be able to lip read at all. It, mm-hmm. And the same, I, if I lost my hearing, I'm horrible at lip reading. I would never be able to pick it up. Yeah. My daughter-in-law, Kim, can lip read really well. But even the best person at lip reading is still not getting a majority of what you're saying. Because everyone talks different. <coughs> mm-hmm. Everyone uses their mouth differently. Yes. And enunciates differently. Yes. So. And then some people have facial hair. Um, if you talk to a deaf person, a word of advice would be don't exaggerate your lips. We tend to want to do yeah. that. We uh, over-pronunciate our words. We, we open our mouth wider. Uh-huh. <laughs> we use our lips. And when you do that, the person, deaf person, maybe that is lip-reading, You've lost them. They can't read your lip. You just actually should just talk normal, just like you're talking to another hearing person. No louder, no softer. Um, We tend to get louder, too. We we talk louder, they can hear us. We do. My um, husband will be working cattle, and he'll even scream across the corral at our son, Shiloh, and we're thinking, why are you screaming at him? He can't hear you. (laughs) I guess as hearing people, we just feel better knowing that we said it, even if they can't hear it. But um, when when we did move back here in our church that we were going to on starting the deaf ministry, I was sitting in that pew signing, and I still had not interpreted a sermon, which I was terrified of doing, because, you know, you don't know what the preacher's going to say, first of all, and you've got to be ready to sign that. And um, I felt a strong spiritual urge to stand up and start signing. And so my first question was, Lord, why? There's only one deaf person, and it's my son. Mm-hmm. Don't you know that people are going to think I'm doing it for show, for attention? For attention? Mm-hmm. And I questioned that, and I I fought it. I'm like, oh no, I, I you know started questioning. Am I really hearing God? Is this what He wants me to do? And I, I that urge never went away. I would brush it back to the side, you know, and try to ignore it and. And then we one day we were actually up in the balcony of that church, and I was signing to my son, and I seen a gentleman way down there on the first row sitting beside his wife signing to her. And of course, I'm like, can't oh, wait for the church service goodness. to be over to get down there to meet them. 
and did. So now we had two deaf people. God's still telling me, and he's still, I'm still saying, we can still sit on that bench. And then it went from sitting on the, the pew beside them and signing to, well, how about I just put a chair up there? Mm-hmm. And I still, God was saying, no, Michelle, I want you to stand and sign to them. So then I started saying, I'm not qualified. I do not sign well enough to interpret. They're two totally different things. I'm not experienced enough in interpreting. Um, I know how to do songs now if I really studied them at that time. Because, like I say, this was 20 years ago. We always have excuses for why we can't do what God's told us to do. I had excuse after excuse after excuse. Went on for at least a year. I remember vividly walking down the stairs in our church building. I literally felt like God's finger tapped me on the shoulder and said, I said, stand and interpret for me. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm out. I'm out of excuses. I'm out. I'm feeling you. I'm hearing you. Okay. And I went to our preacher at that time and. And I told him that I felt like God's telling me to get up there and sign and start a deaf ministry and to start signing. And it was so funny because his words were, well, why don't we pull up a chair and let you sit there in front of them and sign? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember telling no, that's not what God told me to do. He told me to stand there. And then and he was very supportive, our preacher at the time, and he go ahead and do it so i very nervously stood there and signed the songs and the sermon and i don't even remember what any of it was about i just remember i made it you made it survived survived it's over (laughs) that was just one sunday there's a lot of sundays in a Mm -hmm. year i had to keep doing that so that's how it started and we started praying for more deaf people and we started getting more deaf people. The lady I told you that was deaf that came in, I seen her on the front row, named Jeannie Self. She knew a lot of deaf people. They started coming to grow because mm. there's not any deaf churches around anywhere in the four-state area at that time. And so deaf people started coming. So, okay, there was no one there at that time qualified to teach a Sunday school class. They wanted their own Sunday school class. Oh, so I started teaching a deaf Sunday school class. And it just kind of started growing. So deaf people want deaf leaders. They don't want hearing people think they need to help them. So our next prayer was, Lord, we don't know anybody on this planet Earth that is a deaf person that is a minister. But would you send us one? Would you please send us an ordained preacher that is deaf himself? And the for um, we, our first answer was a gentleman named Al Perot from uh, Tulsa area. He has Happy Hands, which was a deaf daycare at that time. I think it's changed a little bit now, and uh, I think he went to an Assembly of God church and and we're a baptist church you know so it all worked out though where he came once a month the deaf would not come in our church service they would have their own church service and it so the deaf people just started coming because somebody was giving a sermon in their language not in english through an interpreter 
So then we kept praying for that deaf-ordained minister. Several years later, one showed up. Bobby Graft was his name. While he was at our church, he started um, teaching the Sunday school class, preaching. The deaf ministry grew to about 45, 50 people who were deaf themselves. Yeah. And uh, Bobby was is deaf himself, so is his wife, Lori. Um, he he uh, had our ministry for a long time and would take a van and travel the four states and pick deaf people up and bring them to our church. It, it oh, I calculated in my mind, it had to take four hours every Sunday morning just to take people to church and bring them home. He himself lived in Carthage at the time. So our deaf ministry grew and grew and grew. And it was just amazing to see that prayer that seemed impossible. It was totally answered, completely answered. And then I would say about five years ago, Bobby and his wife felt the Lord call him to move to New Mexico and start a deaf ministry where they did not have any deaf churches, interpreters, nothing. And last report I got, he had over 100 deaf people in their church. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so wow. which was great. God called him to do that. So you guys praying again for a new desk? Deaf ministry. We are. We are. We have dwindled down as far as the people. We have four or five now in our church. But um, again, they prefer it to be a deaf person, that mm-hmm. their culture. So that for so many reasons. But number one, like I said, the Eng- the language is different. Right. Too. We don't re- have the same experiences they do. Okay. So, so you guys are at a place where... Um, where it's taking a new shape. So yes. Are you yes, still are you still interpreting there? Um, I was up until about a year ago, and I actually was um, getting burnout, signing all the time. And and when you interpret, you can't always comprehend what's being said. And I was needing to be fed too, and I just started praying, Lord, send another interpreter. And a lady shows up at our church named Danielle Oxley. I think she she works at the J School now, educating the deaf students there. Okay. But she's an interpreter. She's really good at it. And she was wanting to interpret. And I asked her, I said, Danielle, just what brought you to Grove? Her and her husband literally took their finger on a uh, map of the United States and pointed somewhere and, and came that's how to they Grove. Ended up. And I looked at her and I said, oh, no, I prayed you here, girl. (laughs) I said, I was praying for another interpreter. So right now, Danielle does almost all of our interpreting. Our secretary, Terry Hillis, she's also capable of interpreting. She's been trained through the years. So we have three at our church that are qualified to interpret within our church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily. Terry and I are not certified interpreters that can go interpret medical or emergencies or anything like that. But Danielle is. So that's where we're at today. And we're still we're praying. So there is still a deaf ministry there. You just don't have a deaf minister. Right. Um, My daughter-in-law, Kim Roberts, she teaches the deaf Sunday school class. And then uh, Danielle interprets the church service now. Okay. Well, so what other questions do you think that, or have you heard um, asked that would help the hearing uh, understand the deaf 
um, better? Well, um, some other questions that I found, I hear people ask when my son and his wife uh, were having children, how do they hear their baby cry? How do they know in the middle of the night? And I said, well, nowadays, baby monitors have flashing lights on them when there's a sound. So the lights wake them up, and they go check on their child. Same with if they have a doorbell. Uh, they might have a light system where they punch the doorbell, and it may blink for, say, one time. The baby monitor may go off, and it blinks three times. The phone may ring, and it blinks two times. And they just know what that light flashing means to go check the door. Or their phone is on the computer, so... Um, with lights like that um what about when they're sleeping are there are there vibrations or things like that that they there is it used to be and i'm sure there's more modern things now but it used to be hooked to their cell phones or prior to cell phones it was hooked to their alarm clock and it'd be just a little round disc that had a wire that ran to whatever the alarm clock or the cell phone and so when the alarm clock went off that would vibrate i don't know a deaf person that likes that because yeah. who wants to be woke up to sit, they would put it under their pillow so your your mm-hmm. pillow is vibrating to right. wake you up um and some some alarms are just flashing light um you'll see some of your modern smoke detectors in public buildings they'll you've seen them flash the lights now uh-huh. as well as the loud buzzing noise that flashing lights for the deaf people okay are hard of hearing so that they know there's a fire or tornado warning coming up okay no, but uh, we are we're asked questions all the time, and we don't realize that the deaf people are just like hearing people. They go through the same walk of life as you and I do, um, but they do have um, their own culture. One thing is to a deaf person. Well, to a, let me get back up. To a hearing person, deaf is in lowercase D E A F. That means the decimal point of your hearing. That's how hearing people look at it. It's like, can you hear with your ears the sound that's being said or not? That's what deaf means to us. To a deaf person in the deaf culture, it's capital D, E-A-F. And you'll see when they write, they'll write a capital D right in the middle of a sentence. And it means deaf culture. It doesn't mean deaf decimal point of your hearing. It means do you live? Do you use sign language? Are you of our deaf world? And not all deaf people are. Most are. I see. So um, it defines who they are. Uh huh. The capital D A F deaf is what most of them connect with, and it is an identity. So uh, one of the questions we hear a lot too is if there was a magic pill that you could take to hear again, would you take it? No side effects. You'd instantly hear, would you take that pill? Well, we would think that answer would be yes, because we don't live in their culture. And remember, this is their identity. The majority of them say, no way. No, absolutely not. And that's hard for us hearing people to understand that. Yeah. Because we do kind of look at them maybe as being broken. Yeah. And they they don't don't see themselves. They don't see their self broken at all handicapped they don't like to be categorized as handicapped Mm -hmm. whatsoever they don't look at their self that way okay well that's all the time we have for today and i appreciate you being here uh, michelle um 
because you have answered so many questions for us and helped us understand. And in those uh, listeners out there, if you know anyone that is deaf and does not have a place to go to church, that they can find that place, that First Baptist Grove, because there is an interpreter there, there is a Sunday school class there, and there is a small deaf community there. Mm-hmm. So um, you are more than welcome to join in at First Baptist Grove. Can you tell us what the times are of uh, your services? Sunday school is Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And just come in there where the office is, and someone will show you where the deaf Sunday school class is. And then church services are at 1030 Sunday morning. All right. Well, thanks for being here with us. And um, I pray you all have a wonderful day. And thanks for joining us and giving us your time. 